0: So in this interview, I sit down with the CEO of Real Brokerage, Tamir Polig, as well as the president, Sharon Srivatsa. Sharon is, and I, and I say it right here. I said, Sharon was the single best executive hire any company could have made in the last decade. <clears throat> Tamir obviously personally hired him, but they've had massive growth building Real Brokerage, uh, potentially the fastest growing brokerage in the country. I asked them questions on that. I push them on some issues, top of everybody's mind, and I'm just so honored to share this with all of you, two of the great operators in the business. Enjoy the pod and let me know down below what you think. So, Tamir, earlier today, this is where we gotta start, strong because this is- we're getting <laughs> right into it. Nine out of 10, CEOs, leaders in this industry, Tron knows them all, would never ask the question that you asked at the end of the conference. We're here at your conference, your house at Real Rise in San Diego. And you asked Ben Kinney, who is one of the best operators in real estate, um, a very specific question. And I just don't think many CEOs would ever ask, because he's not a biased party. He's not going to just throw a, you know, a fluff answer out there you know, just because, I mean, I have a very different answer from him. Um, but you asked him, what are we doing wrong at Real? And he thought for a minute, and then he had his answer, which uh, was more of a general yeah. answer. Um, it was about brokerages not talking about profits that much, much. I think you guys probably talk about profits more yeah. from the agent perspective than anybody. Right. So, So I don't know if the answer to me connected... Your reaction to the answer, and then I'll give you my answer. If I was sitting on that stage, what I would have said.
1: Well... First of all, I didn't think about the uh, the question beforehand, so it just came into my mind a couple of minutes before and I said, okay, I'm going to ask it. Uh, I'm not afraid to ask it because, you know, I want to know how to improve. And at the same time, we're very transparent. So I didn't mind the, the agents actually hearing uh, criticism. It's free it. consulting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like he's he's a smart dude, so why not get some, Take some advice? Yeah. Is that the uh,
0: tech mindset? Where it's like I want the feedback instantly all the time.
1: I think that's that's who we are as a company. It's not necessarily about tech. It's about transparency and trying to to always improve. Mm. Um, so what did I think about is his answer? Uh, I, I I knew it'll be difficult for him to to answer it, um, both because of you know the situation. He's sitting in our living room, and he has to say negative things about us. But at the same time, it probably requires a little bit of of thinking and, and maybe deeper knowledge of real. Um, I think that him talking about profitability within brokerages in general i think that this is i mean this is something that that people should be talking about everybody's talking about the agents which i mean they should be but at the same time brokerages should be companies that are making money because without brokerages there are no agents um and yes in the past probably decades the entire focus was on agents how can we help our agents financially and we continue to do that but at the same time there's a constant balancing act between agent profitability, brokerage profitability. And I think that uh, there might be ways to have one without jeopardizing the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe our, you know, the credit card and the debit card that we launched today is, is an example. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, maybe he could have used a little bit more spice
0: towards us. Uh, yeah. I'll give you a little spice <laughs> in a second. I'll give you my answer <laughs> in a second. You guys can both react to it. You asked him a question um, as well about why, he didn't ever decide to start a brokerage. Brilliant operator, obviously the founder of Place. Uh, you know, Sharon's done it. He's built a brokerage. He's exited from a brokerage. Um, and he didn't give the answer I thought he was thinking in the back of his head was, I don't want to be a mortgage broker, which is when we talk about profitability of a brokerage, ultimately, it's a lot of times it comes down to that component because what you're talking about a little bit in your answer there is agents digging into that profit. Right. And then they've they've got to uh go out and, and sell mortgage. He didn't take that angle. He he talked about the passion he has with teams. But yeah,
1: and yeah, again I didn't think about that that question, but um I mean I was sitting there and I was saying, okay, he's super smart, he's super experienced, he he knows the industry better than anyone else. Like why didn't he ever start a brokerage? Like what am I doing wrong? <laughs> it was like <laughs> it was very selfish. Like maybe maybe I'm doing the ro- the wrong thing here.
0: Yeah, you're looking at your own life like, uh-oh, yeah, yeah. am I going too far down this road? Yeah, well,
1: maybe I've been wasting nine and a half years. But,
2: but I, I'll tell you something, right? He and, when Tamir and I are on a lot of calls, it's a it's a powerful question to ask everybody that we talk to. And it's couched and phrased differently, but the question generally is like, hey, you have some distance from us, Byron. If you were giving us some advice, what would be a couple of pieces of advice that you would give us? Yeah, And a lot of times... It's in the mind of the person you're talking to. We just have not provided permission to ask for that. And we want to do that. Like the first, my first, my first day at real Tamir said to me, he goes, you need to make way more mistakes than you win. I was like, what are you talking about? He goes way more mistakes. And that was a very interesting way of thinking about it. Right? Because he gave me permission, gave us permission as a company to say, Hey, it's okay. Like we've been through tough times. You will, you're a smart guy and the ability for being smart is to learn from those mistakes. Yeah, hundred percent. One, make those. But second, if you're talking to smart people, like we should ask them it's free consulting.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: And so, uh,
0: yeah, I don't blame you for asking it, but I just don't see a lot of leaders do it. I'll be talking to you, Sharon. Thank you for the opportunity. Tamir, thank you for the opportunity sure. tomorrow to speak to your family um, with agents that are not inside of real i think this is going to be a a great opportunity for everybody and one of the components of the conversation is going to be a little bit around the question you asked which was what are we doing wrong and one thing i see differently in the last 12 months is there are some agents that are chasing the one carrot of the rev share and they're trying to advance at times to second base before going on a date they're maybe trying to get a kiss and before and this is a stigma with other companies in a similar model that has pushed a lot of people out of the discussion. One thing I've been passionate about for a little while is, is to get a little debate with real going um, with another company. Because I think if you, I know the culture inside of here. Uh, some of the key players in this company I've been friends with for a long time. This is a special culture. This is something that's, that's really, it's got a lot of momentum for a reason. And I think when you put that out there out front, instead of closed door Zooms, a lot of people will learn uh, what's going on in here and and a lot of people should learn about it. So I I think without saying any names or anything, that stigma is something that you want to stay very far away from. And so how do you make sure that there aren't agents coming in that should be focused on their personal revenue? Because without revenue, there's no rev share. Yep. Um, and they're great at building a business as opposed to chasing the agent attraction carrot. Um, can I go off topic for, for sure. a second? It's, it's I'll circle off.
1: you back. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So <laughs> you're going to be on stage tomorrow talking to non-real agents on our stage. And I think that the idea for that came from, I had an idea um, of inviting the CEOs of all top brokerages. To this conference and having them on stage, just having a conversation how to elevate the conversation within the industry, because a lot of agents are bashing other companies and all yes. that. And I said, okay, if all of us as, as leaders sit on stage and agents can see us talking, complimenting each other, congratulating each other on, on our success, maybe that would stick with them and, and they will change the, narr- the narrative because at the end of the day, consumers look at us and they see, they see all that negativity going on between agents. So let's try and change it together. So I reached out to CEO of Remax, CEO of uh, EXP, CEO of KW, all top 10. The only person who, who actually replied was Gary Keller and he said, no, oh, thanks. Wow. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> so I think that this, this, what, this is what led us to... Invite you and and other agents um, from other brokerages uh, into our, you know, home living room and everything. Um, I think that going back to the question, it has to do with putting some, some things in the model, like the requirement to be productive in order to earn share. So you actually have to be in production if you want to earn share. So that's one thing. But on top of that, I mean, throughout the, the past nine and a half years building real, I had so many conversations with people, who promised me the moon said, you know, if I join, I bring a thousand people with me. Whenever somebody tells me something like that, there's like a a red light flashing in my in my mind, saying, okay, now now we stop. This is dangerous. I want to have five additional conversations with that pe- with that person just to make sure that we're in alignment. They're a good fit. We share the same kind of DNA and everything. So I think it's about truly. I wouldn't say choosing the partners because it sounds a little bit exclusive, but it's understanding who are those partners that you're inviting to build a business, your business with. Um, So I I think it's, it's about that. It's about, you know, bringing in people that share the same vision, passion, DNA. Yeah.
0: Have Sharon or or Tamir jump in on this. Have you had any, you know, so many people in the industry, Sharon, so maybe this would be a good one for you. Have you had any agents come to you and say, Hey, I don't, you're at real. I don't get it. I don't understand Every time I talk to a real agent, I feel like I'm. They're trying to attract me. Uh, is,
2: is there? Do you get feedback like that or no? Uh, rarely. Uh, we rarely. Not, not yet. Not yet. That's right. Not not yet. We're very very rare. Um, I think that feedback comes from other companies, which is okay. But we have a code of conduct for attraction, and I think that having a code of conduct for attraction says that, hey, you got to attract the right way, the kind way, and if it is our responsibility to do two things to set the code of attraction up saying this is what we believe. And the second is to train to that. Um, and I think that's super important. And, and when someone d- goes off the code of conduct, you very quickly realize that they went off the code of conduct. It feels strange. It feels weird. It, it feels smarmy. And we have to kind of put a pause on that. And I think that it doesn't happen very often, but it happens from time to time. Yeah. And then one of us has to have a conversation with them saying, hey, just do whatever you would like, but stick to the code of conduct. right?" And so the the... We I, I think of the Code of Conduct just like a the Constitution. There's a lot of interpretations around it, but you've got to let some personal... You, you've got to be aligned personally with that. And I think we have had people who will read our Code of Conduct and say, no, real is not for me. And if that is the filtering mechanism, totally great. Thank you for doing that because I'm glad we wrote that document. Yeah. Document up front.
0: You, you've been to so many conferences over the years, right? <laughs> and uh, sometimes you get agents at a conference that will... You know, you leave for the afternoon for lunch and then you come back and there's like a candy bar, oh a business God. card, there's another business card, <laughs> your table, there's like three business cards. It's like, who was that? Like, it's like a hit and run, yeah. you know, or they'll just start walking up to people at the cocktail, just handing out business cards. It's just like, do you want to say hi? Do you want to have a conversation? Yeah. And it's like the turn and burn. And, you know, one of the feedbacks I would have, and, and this is something I hope resonates with the yeah, room sure. tomorrow, is there's nothing wrong with agent attraction. Ben Kinney said it today. He's like, you need to be recruited. If you're a business operator, you need to be recruiting great talent all the time, forever and always. That's how you're going to grow and get better. Uh, But once you start to engage with somebody and you realize maybe they're not a fit or they don't, don't just turn, don't be the business card hander. That's like, okay, you've got my card now. Now I'm going to the next person, go deep and create that relationship. And that's what I think has has been special about my relationships with the agents here um, is that we have a relationship beyond Anything, any type of attraction, you know, like the, the Tim Macy's and and these agents, where it's like no matter what we knew, I knew Tim before, he was re, and yeah. and we've had a relationship for a long time, and that that is something I think that agents that are coming into this new environment, instead of only focusing on the carrot, can say, yeah, there's such a much deeper relationship and you can feel it in the room so i think it's yeah. um to me it's something that has percolated over the last 12 months but not yeah. something that is a contagion by any means so yeah. i'm not, yeah. I'm not I'm trying to no, make no, it I, out I, to be
2: bigger I, than it i'm is. actually in 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 agreement with you the one thing that tamir and i talk about a lot is that we spend so much time training on production here's how you do better yeah. open houses here's how you work with buyers here's how you work with sellers but we haven't the industry has not trained attraction yeah. I think it's our and, and training attraction is one thing. Training attraction with the baseline code of conduct is something completely different. And so I think that it is our responsibility as a company to train attraction the right way, the kind way, the real way. And if we don't do that, it's our fault. Yeah. And so I, I'd be the first one to take full responsibility. It's like, hey, if the attraction is going wrong, it's a it's a training problem, not a person problem. Yeah. And well, or to, yes. to your credit, this is the best executive hire. In no. many years in our industry.
0: <laughs> and when he's talking about training, the listing side, the side, all these different things. This is the best executive anybody could have hired in the industry.
1: I would agree. And we're, we're grateful. And he's, yeah. just a, he's a great partner.
0: I, I mean, I, I fell in love. What can I do? <laughs> of course you did. I mean, <laughs> that was a brilliant move. That, that was pretty brilliant. So T360, a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. I want to switch gears a little bit. Yeah, I remember um, we were sitting there. We we hung out. That was the first time I met you. And you you talked on stage. And that's one of those conferences where you do have all the CEOs. Um, And a number stuck with me. Maybe maybe I'll have the number wrong. But talking about how big this model can get, this was a year and a half ago. And you said a model, not necessarily real, but a model model similar to this Um, overall in the next couple of years seven would years. get... I think I said seven years,
1: 50% of the agents. 50%, I said, yeah. yeah. I said it, something around 500,000 agents or so.
0: It, it was a huge number. Yeah. 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 It was over 500,000. Um, and I thought the timeline was shorter, but I'll go with seven years. Okay. Maybe it was 10. Maybe I said <laughs> five to 10 years.
2: <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I, I, he, he said seven. When he says seven, he means three. So yeah. that's how it works. <laughs> I thought it was three, but
0: we're only a year and a half out. There hasn't been that much growth in a year and a half on an agent count basis. If we're thinking of the model that I'm thinking of, okay, something align- along the lines of real. Um, do you think that, that I'm wrong? There's been, you know, exponential growth in the last year I, and a half or, th- or has it flatlined?
1: I don't think that the, the growth will be linear by the way. But I think that if you analyze the financial statements, at least of of the publicly traded companies that have newer models like ours Mm -hmm. versus the old players, there's a clear path or there's a a clear picture of who's growing, who's not growing, who's actually losing agents. Um, You can say the same about stock performances as well. I mean, let's take Remax, for example, 80 something thousand agents in North America, plus I think 50,000 outside of the U.S., trading at $190 million. Like, does it make sense? They're bigger than EXP. EXP is trading at billions and they're... Yeah. So I think that the at least Wall Street is signaling something, something that's happening. Like, who would be the, the winners? Who would be the losers? Um, they're making a future bet. I think so. Yeah. I mean, yeah. public markets are about future bets. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that even though the growth will not be linear... I think that we will see meltdowns of some incumbents or traditional companies, and there will be an influx of agents going into new models. So I still stick with my prediction of you know next five seven years we'll see. <laughs>
0: I thought How- it was three. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. No, I think there's a, I think there's a
2: big model discovery problem right now. So if if you can get more model discovery, whoever it is, whether an, whether an agent's right fit for the new model or not, I just think that they need to have awareness around the options. Like when you don't know your options, you don't have any, right? So instantly saying, hey, I see this. I'm going to dismiss it right away or I'm going to see this and examine it. Mm-hmm. I'd like to get more people in that. I'm going to see this and examine
0: it. I'm with you on that.
2: That's all it is. Yeah. I, you you can choose that. It may not be the right time or it may not be the right fit. That's okay. But at least examine it with open eyes it, and open arms.
0: You should know what everything, yes. what's my opportunity to be an agent on a team? What's my opportunity to be a team leader in these different Cocked. models? What's my opportunity from, you know, model to model? I 1000%.
2: You know, there's also a very interesting thing that, that we often talk about, which is, um a lot of the big teams are driven by like the flexes and the portal leads yes. right now as as the economics to zillow and the unflex etc goes up higher
0: yeah which there are january one yeah. talking about Flex. right
2: and so now you're almost at 40 at 40 percent across all markets yeah. N- now net net and an agent on a team is receiving 30 cents on the dollar yeah 25 well, i think most tw- will go to 25 right yeah. and now if you take that at a traditional model and there's a house split on top, which is significant, that 25 is way lower. So that it further makes the case for big teams to examine a model like ours mm-hmm. or the newer models because they're like, hey, now with an external pressure, now they're starting to force them to examine our model, which yeah. I think discovery is a good thing. Yeah, and, com- and
0: commission compression is Zillow, oh. not the lawsuit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. But... While we're speaking,
1: I was thinking about something and you cannot quote me on that. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> there's a very good chance that there are a lot of agents sitting at traditional brokerages saying, okay, I need a change. Something's not working for me. What's the alternative? And then they're thinking about this newer models. But in their minds, those newer models are associated with heavy recruiting or a kind of culture that they never want to be a part of. So maybe some companies that have been in this industry and and using other models are created a a reputation for the entire model of non-brick and mortar that's keeping away a lot of agents just because, okay, it's either traditional uh, brokerage or attraction-based model. And they don't understand that it's not necessarily about attraction. It's about a lot of value without the attraction.
0: Yeah. I mean, what percentage of agents even collect rev share in our case it's about uh, 11% that's right it. so I think there's a lot of people that might, th- might think that number is a lot higher yeah. 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 you know and, and I I think that's probably right where it should be in the long run I don't know if you disagree where if it should be a bigger number in the long run or, or if it should be about that uh, because if I'm looking at you know from an agent's eyes you know am I going to you know sign on with somebody who's offering me all of this this package of potential training or, you know, nuanced listing description or um, presentations or different things that they might be able to offer me or access or proximity, uh, you know, these types of intangibles or just signing on because somebody's a friend. That's where you get the the balance to shift to 10 or 11% because they're better at attraction where another agent might just be better at, Revenue, right. producing yeah, yeah. the revenue for the company and building a great business. Yeah, but
1: we're not pushing our agents to go and attract. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we never done that. we never put quotas or never said, hey, you have to attract at least one agent before the end of the year. I think that when I think about attraction, for agents, it's mainly two things. One, it's the ability to help someone else succeed in this industry. And that's a huge gift. Second, it's a cushion. It's a way for you to head your own business because mm-hmm. when times are tough, Having a little bit of income through rev share is the right thing to do for your family. So it's not about growing the company insanely; it's about true value that you can bring to others and and to your family.
0: But would you agree that some agents are just don't have the skill set for attraction? Whether they don't have yeah, the brand from, or they don't, from. they're not offering
2: enough to. I'm in yeah, full agreement yeah. that they don't. Yeah, right. Because, but, but. It's not their fault, though. No, no, no. I don't think we've trained. I don't think we we have agents in the business who have gotten coaching, seminars, training, books, courses for 10 years, and they're still bad at a buyer consult. And they're still bad at a listing appointment. (laughs) And they have 10 years of this stuff. They have enough nomenclature. They have enough help. They have enough support. And they're still bad at it. And I think that for the same amount of people, you have all the good ones, too. And I think that we should just train we should train the right way i it, it our 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 biggest breakthrough came when i said wow it, i'll tell you the truth he said dude how many more appointments are you going to do that was his thing to me and i said i love it he goes that still doesn't that still doesn't factor in time you know you can't do that we can't grow like that and he's right and so i was like well the only way we can make this better is if we can give the gift of training to everybody else
0: on to here ben tell tamir Today, Ben Kinney. I'm yeah. going back to Ben Kinney yeah. just because I was. I thought that was such a great.
2: That was a great
0: interview. That yeah. was a great conversation. Yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to chat with him a little bit later today because he's he's a brilliant mind. But to hear him say that he's got a, a billion dollar valued company in yeah. place, he's got all his marketplaces, you know. Still, um, to hear him say that he personally sells, yeah. what yeah. was it, twelve yeah. to twenty four yeah. homes a year himself, yes. goes and, and lists them. Yeah, yeah. bro. I mean, you could list, you yeah. could do the same thing, right? Because yeah. you're, you're a great salesperson. Yeah. You, you come from it. Did that blow your mind to hear that somebody that busy yeah, I was so, I was
2: very surprised.
0: Full-time agents, it's hard for them to sell 24
1: homes. Yes. It, I mean, think about the commitment it takes to run all of those businesses yeah. and sell 20 homes a year. But I also it's think it
2: keeps them so, it, That's exactly it where gives I'm
1: them talking. the pulse. Yes. It keeps
0: them so sharp. And yeah. so you going on appointments with yeah. agents at Real yeah. keeps you sharp. Super sharp. Do you find your training more valuable today going on those appointments than it would be just based off of your history? and hundred yeah. percent. Because
2: now, I'd say in the last kind of two to three years, the consumer has completely changed. They know more than us. There's so much more psychology involved. And there's also so much marketing in place that it's pre-framing people to get to that appointment. The appointments today are completely different than the appointments three years ago. Completely different. And I, I, sh- I shared this on stage. I wrote down after every single appointment that I go on. I write down every single question every single client ever asked. I have every single question every single client has ever asked in a, in a listing appointment,
0: ever. And so you de- you debrief every listing appointment.
2: Right, I debrief every listing appointment. And you know after a while, you're like, wow, these patterns of the top 10 questions are starting to change, which is very fascinating. And I think staying on the pulse of this is super important. How can we train better? Well, what's
0: one of the biggest changes with consumers today from when you were building TELUS? And-
2: yeah, I think, I think the biggest change is... Um, the clients know market dynamics today because of availability of data than they did before yeah they would lean on they would they would walk in the appointment and say show me the comps. help me understand these help me read, read the tea leaves they have already done that work it is amazing how much they know they're like hey so if we lifted at this price this would happen like this is insane that you actually know pricing strategy in the appointment so i think consumers are the availability of data has made it extremely easy for consumers to make a to have a much better sophisticated conversation with the and listening And
0: computer. so now it comes down to, for the consumer, how are you going to bring me through this process? What connections are you going to make? There's been so many, and Tamir, I want your opinion, because you have tech background. Uh, there's been so many brokerages that said, we're going to make this end-to-end app. You've, you've got somebody making a super app right now where everything can be done in one place. Is it possible? Why hasn't anybody built the super app in real estate? Uh, it's a good question.
1: I think that... I mean, it's a matter of of the talent that you have on the team. Uh, it's a matter of timing as well. I think that in order to be able to build something like that, you have to integrate the three main building blocks of a transaction, which is brokerage services, title, and mortgage. And I think that title and mortgage by themselves have not matured enough from a tech standpoint for someone to be able to integrate them until very recently. So now I think that each one of those businesses have enough um critical mass of technology in their business to be able to actually integrate everything into a seamless uh, process. So um, on top of that, I think that, you know, a lot of companies are trying to build amazing tech or say that they're building tech, but it really has to, to start from the ground up and has to touch each and every aspect of your business. So it's not enough to give agents, you know, 13 different tools from 13 different manufacturers, you have to build something that really is integrated and, and flawless. Uh, and I think that this is something that nobody has really tried. And I also think that no brokerage has really tried to stitch title brokerage and mortgage on a tech platform.
0: Do you believe consumers will want to have an app or a space to go to manage their home in the future? You know, I own a home in Connecticut, I own a home in Florida. If I could go somewhere, I think for me, personally speaking, and, you know, there's a a small leak in the basement in Connecticut. Well, even when I'm there for 48 hours, I just want to shut the door to the basement if there's a leak. I don't even want to think about it. I want somebody to come and fix it. Is there a place with technology that you would use it weekly or monthly as a consumer to manage your home?
1: After you, you own it. You mean, After you own it, yeah. I mean, this this is an area we're not going into at, at the moment. But I mean, just your I, thoughts you in know, general. Obviously, no wants to solve that, right? We're becoming extremely spoiled, <laughs> as, you know, <laughs> as, as, a consumer. as as people as consumers. Um, as you said, I just want to shut the door and forget about <laughs> it. And the same happened to me last last week. I had a leak in my home, and I I, I just cannot deal with it. <laughs> so, I mean, we're spoiled. You just you just want something to be easy, convenient. Sleek, immediate payment. Just someone take care of it, and that's it. All I need to do is is click just, a button. Just go away. So yeah, definitely. And and it's, you know we're thinking about us, but what about our kids? Like yeah. my kids, for sure they will want that kind of experience when managing a home or dealing with you know all of the the duties when you have you're your, when you're a homeowner. So I think that when you're thinking about consumer innovation, you don't necessarily have to think about today. You don't have necessarily have to think about yourself you have to think about your kids and this is how I'm trying to think I'll give you an example a couple of months ago I told one of my kids he was 11 at the time um, he was asking me a question and I said just google it and he said what like YouTube who who uses Google and for me it's like you know Google was I mean that's innovative (laughs) for me that's an innovative way (laughs) to, to find answers but for him
0: it's like it's video. He's like, well, yeah. I've already searched YouTube and ChatGPT. Yeah. Yeah. I thought so, you'd have the answer. And you told me to go to this antiquated thing <laughs> exactly. called Google. Yeah. So Google is antiquated for them. Yeah. In that world, how many agents do we need? We have 1.5 million now. Um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of agents don't do any transactions. I love that you, you talked about a standard uh, of doing transactions earlier as, as potentially something you'd even consider in your model. How many agents do we need in the future?
2: That stuff, I'll I'll, I'll I'll give you a different answer to that. And you can circle back to it, of course. I, I remember this. It, when we were running TELUS, we had had a production standard. If you did not do 10 million a year, you were automatically fired. I, I've I gotten calls from agents. I would call an agent for some ra- random thing. And they'd be like, hey, 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 I got three in escrow right now. I'm like, dude, it's okay. you know. But they knew. I think the production standard, what it does is it elevates minimum standards. I think it's super, super powerful. Because you say, this is the standard. And then people, what they realize is... I need effort and training to get there. It it, it motivates because they're like, hey, I want to be a part of this production caliber. I, I think it's a really powerful thing. Now, could you implement that in a firm like ours across the board? I think that would be hard. Um, we, we have to find a, a way to to implement something like
0: that. Do you believe in it to be a license holder? Or do you believe there's so many other use cases for a real estate license that there shouldn't be a standard Hey, guys, if you like what you're hearing, you want to get the most out of our content at BAM, join our awesome community called BAMX. You get new content and access to all of our downloads every single day in BAMX, but you also get the Facebook community. You get access directly to myself and Eric and Bobby, our lead producer, among other BAMX creators. Join BAMX today with the link below. Use the code down below to get into BAMX.
2: I think that's a... We've not gotten on the path of thinking. I think there's a lot of use cases for a real estate license. I think I, there are agents that do things part-time. Now, if, they have a, if that agent is extremely skilled, so like, for example, my wife, she is a Ivy League grad. If she got a part-time real estate license, she would do really well. She would run a great transaction. Right?
0: But if she didn't know something, she'd say Sharon. Uh, how do I handle I, this objection? I'm <laughs> trying
2: trying to get her to do that. But but I you know, when the industry I think automatically just sidelines part-time agents,
0: mm-hmm.
2: it's it sidelines, hey, they only do one deal a year. But I think it's an agent's choice. I think if they want to sell more, they can sell more. If you want to be if you want to do more production, join a team or state that you want to do more production. I don't know if I maybe we talk about it. I don't know if it's our place let, to control let, that. Let right? me give
1: you two perspectives. One, I think that... Software and AI can take care of a lot of the tasks that agents are handling every day. So on one hand, maybe you wouldn't need so many agents Mm -hmm. or one agent can do instead of 20 transactions a year, 50 transactions a year. But at the same time... There was a survey done by the National Association of Home Builders in 2018, I think, and they asked thousands of homeowners, why aren't you moving Uh, homeowners that were living in their home for more than 10 years? They asked them, why aren't you moving to a different home? 21% of them said because of the hassle of buying a new home. Mm -hmm. What I'm trying to say is that it's hard. If technology can facilitate buying a home, it means that there will be more transactions. People will be moving faster. So... This is the belief
0: that Rich Barton has. Yeah.
1: And and I, I share it, share the same thought with him. So on one hand, maybe a lot of the task will be handled by software, so you would need less agents, but at the same time, there will be more transaction volume. So maybe you still need the same number of agents um to, to cater to a larger number of transactions.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it's to me it's quite obvious why there's one point five million agents. Um it's our dues going in to attract more agents. If, if we're talking about NAR specifically, uh, I'll say it so you guys can just think it. Um, when we get out of everything that's happening now, the class action lawsuits in, in this kind of world, um, is do you believe, you guys can jump in on this, or you don't have to answer if you don't want, but do you believe NAR is stronger because of everything that the industry is going through and they pull us out of it and they're the leaders, and uh, they help the industry protect buyers and protect buyer agency, or do you believe NAR gets PGA'd and Live Golf comes along and something better gets created out of this?
1: Um, it's a possibility for sure, but I think that as individuals, as organizations, if you're not providing value, you will disappear. So I think that the bigger question is what kind of value does NAR provide? And I'm not saying they do or or don't. Sure. I think that this is the question that will determine whether NAR will be here in five years or there will be another organization or a lot of different organizations that will be. Maybe fragmented. Yes, maybe, possibly. But um, I think it's all about value. And I think that yes, NAR is right now facing, you know, tough times and, and maybe they need to reinvent themselves.
2: I think they have the uh, the opportunity to change how they're positioned. Yeah. And if there was any time to say, let's stop and examine to see where we are, what our places in this ecosystem, I don't think any or even MLSs and boards have had a chance or had any shock to them to to stop and say let's reexamine mm-hmm. what our place is in this ecosystem. The reason for the new models is because we reexamined our place yeah. in this ecosystem. That's all it is. There's been no new model innovation for what, hundred years, mm-hmm. right? And so I, I think NAR has an opportunity to actually say, hey, can we reimagine? And if they can if they can reimagine it, I actually think the agents would be like, wait a minute, good job. Good job you did that. Good job you pulled those services out. Good job you said, I'm not going to do this anymore, but I'm going to focus on this. And will they get it right the first time? No. But I think, I think humans and agents specifically love progress, love momentum. They love to see change. They love to see perspective. And if they did a good job, I think in this meritocracy, they'd be given kudos for doing that.
0: Well, they love full transparency. They love the truth. And so if you went to the agent community from the NAR perspective and said, here's all the things we're doing this is just something they're, uh, you know, I'll be frank, this is something they're not doing and not doing a good job of is being fully transparent. But if they did come out and say, here's all the mistakes we've heard, here's all the mistakes, but here are all the changes, as opposed to we're going to start a 500th committee and of hand selected individuals. Um, then I think they could have a, a chance of being heard and, and people might get back on the boat. But yeah,
2: at, at a very high level, the, the world has shown us that a governing body if run well yeah, in most industries can do a really powerful job for that industry, w- w- whether it's, you know, whether it's big pharma or not.
1: And, and by the way, they have been doing that. Let's not, yeah, yeah. 100%. everything that they've done. Yeah.
0: yeah. Oh, I agree. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot that they've done from a lobbying perspective yes. that has been really important for agents mm-hmm. and for the way we do business in this country and for consumers all across the board. And then there's just a whole bunch of other money that goes to Havas marketing group and all this other crap that you're just
2: like, what, what is going
0: on here? But 40, I think, I think there's an
2: optical crossroad that they have to just address. That's all. Yeah. Right? Cause everyone's asking that question. So it should be, we, we should talk about it. And I think it's super important to talk yeah. about it.
0: Uh, Tamir you, earlier today, you talked about the next six months and I wrote, I wrote it down when you said it, this will be the most challenging six months of your career. So we're sitting here in October of 2023, fourth quarter of 23, first quarter of quarter uh quarter uh 24, gonna be the six hardest months of your career, real estate agents. I agree with you. So when you said it, I'm like, this is something Bobby knows he listens every hot sheet in the morning <laughs> that we do. And I keep saying it, keep saying it. And so my belief is, you know, agents need to go wider while they're going deeper on those people that can transact over the next 90 days, but they need to go wider with articulate notes really understand who's going to be, you know, looking in the end of 24, 25, because you said 25 is going to be pretty good and 26 is going to be great for you guys. But if you don't take the notes now, if you don't do the work now, if you don't spend extra time now, you're not going to have that opportunity in 25 or 20 or 26. What else should an agent be doing to prepare for the hardest six months of their career? Um, Well, first of
1: all, you know, it's real estate. So the things that will affect your 60 days from now or the things that you're actually doing today. So, you know, third of that six month is already signed for. Um, I think that first of all, it's acknowledging, it's acknowledging the fact that, okay, it's going to be rough. Just don't be optimistic as always. The the only thing you can control is your expenses. Just, you know, focus on your expenses, adjust them to what's, what's coming. Um, And I always think that, you know, Energy helps businesses grow. So if, if you're, you know, heads down and you believe that you can weather the storm and everything will be okay in the second quarter of, of 2024, third quarter, you have to start working towards that and just try to figure out personally, okay, how am I going to mitigate that gap of six months with less of, of income, with more challenges? You have to be um, emotionally strong because, you know, there will be a lot of ups and downs and a lot of downs in the next six months. So I I think it's just preparing your business, preparing your mentality um, and adjusting your expenses.
2: Yeah. You know, there's, um, I was thinking about this when, when we say, how do I upgrade my life? There's two ways to upgrade your life. You either upgrade your environment or you upgrade the people in your environment. Mm -hmm. And it can be as simple as, man, I've been going to this office. I'm in a rut. I'm just going to work for an hour from Starbucks as something as simple as that you upgrade your environment. Or you're like, well, wait a minute. Can I, can I just upgrade the people in my environment? Can I get a Byron speaking on X stage? Can I just do that? Why am I doing that? And I think live events change lives. There are people here who are financially constrained and still came because they believe that live events change lives. And I think upgrading your environment or upgrading people in your environment is super important. The one thing that you and I have seen across the board is when things get tough, the one thing agents start doing is they start experimenting with a lot of things. Yeah. And that is the one piece of advice I would give everybody is when things get tough, go narrow Mm. to do great things. We must do fewer things,
0: go narrow on what you're good at.
2: Right. But do a lot of it. And that's when I, when
0: I say go wide, if you're great at prospecting on the phone, like when when I keep going back to Ben Kenny because yeah. it's like in my mind, but yeah. when he said he's he's got pennies. he's got an agent doing a thousand calls in oh, one day in a month, yeah. that's, that's, that's called yeah. going wide. That's yeah. like getting okay. You're going to be great on the phones, or you need to learn this skill. Do a lot of it at once. Be be Malcolm Gladwell. Get your ten thousand hours in as quickly as you possibly can. It's the reps, hundred percent. It's the reps, and so, and that's. I agree with you. Go narrow on a couple things. Don't go wide on a hundred different things because you're doing a little bit of a lot. Do a lot of a little bit, but just keep doing it over and over again. I like Tamira. You said just now, don't be optimistic. That's another thing. Ninety percent of leaders would <laughs> encourage you the opposite yeah. be optimistic yeah. just think that's, the glass is half full I, i'm like no the freaking thing is empty yeah. and nobody's
2: coming to fill it up
0: yeah. i mean this is <laughs> we're under four million seasonally you know seasonal transactions here in this industry first time in ever yeah. and uh that's the reality that we face so no, you know, i the, you appreciate know, a, a, the for, for agents to also
2: think about this right whenever an agent starts to talk to me about ideas and strategies i always tell them hey is this a math box or a mystery box They're like, oh, I think I'm going to put money into new lead generation. I'm just gonna try this for 90 days. (sighs) Mystery box. Brutal. right? Well, I'm gonna try to learn the script mystery box. How many things do you put in your mystery box? Hey, I'm gonna do 14 calls a day. Like uh, Ben said, even a a blind squirrel can find an acorn or something like that, which I thought was amazing, right? But what are the things that I could put in my math box right now? Fewer the things put in my math box. I'm gonna write a a deal of the day. I'm gonna write an email every single day. It's free and you can write to your list every single day. I guarantee it'll work, mm-hmm. right? But uh, I, my guidance to agents is when times get tough, go narrow, because to, to do great things, we must do fewer things.
0: Yeah, uh, I thought it was great. So a <clears throat> couple um, just off-the-wall questions that I have to ask you. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think the real community will appreciate this. Uh, Tamir, describe <clears throat> what makes your favorite real estate agent, and why is it Katie Day? <laughs> we all love katie it's actually
1: eric hatch yeah. but
0: <laughs> oh that's good, good.
1: Now he's my favorite ginger um, katie actually has a an interesting story i don't know if you know she was with real back in 2016 i think and she yeah. left us and then she came back so people don't know that um, maybe that's why i like her it was you, you
0: katie and who else yeah, so it yeah was the th-
1: three of us i, I forgot <laughs> the third guy but yeah, she came back crawling and we accepted her back. And uh, that's why I like her.
0: <laughs> but, we'll, but in serious, uh, seriously, though, if you were from the consumer side, not the leadership side, what mm-hmm. would make your favorite real estate agent?
1: I think it would be someone. I mean, obviously, we can talk about someone I believe in, someone that I trust and all of that. I think that people just want to be around people that they like, that they enjoy being with. Um, so I think that, that that would be my favorite agent, like someone I enjoy spending time with. You own, you own property in New York and in Israel? I Right now, only in Israel? Only in yeah. Israel. Yeah. What's, Actually, not even in Israel. So I don't know if you know my story, but I had to sell everything to keep real alive. So oh, I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah. So you don't own anything?
0: Right now, no. You put it all in. Yeah. That's a leader right yeah. there going all in on the vision. Yeah. So, own oh, no property, but you Unfo- sold unfortunately you sold property in israel how, how does yeah. the the um it's and, different and first of all, for you even to be over here and putting everything in living you know just crazy um what you're going through and to Thank be you. here and be working and and doing everything yeah. that you're doing for your community just completely unbelievable um but what's the market dynamics like in I know the in, world has changed a lot in the last few weeks, but just in in general, what would that
1: in israel yeah um it's been a super strong market for the past couple of years. It's it's a really small country and a lot of Jewish people from the U.S., U.K., France want to own a property in Israel. Okay, This is why prices have gone up dramatically over the past 10 years. Uh, land or developments are highly regulated, so it takes about five years to get a, a building permission. This is how the, the government controls prices as well. So it's very, uh, it's very, there's a lot of scarcity when it, when it comes to kind of permits and zoning and all of that. So,
0: uh, it was a super strong market commissions by, are there buyer agents, no buyer agents? Yeah. Yeah. There are
1: buyer, buyer agents, um, listing agents, and each client is
0: paying their own agent. Client so, pays their own. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So buyer pays their own agent. Yeah. Seller pays their own agent.
0: They never have, uh, the seller pay. They no, they don't, no, no. They don't that, negotiate. That, buyer I mean, always pays
1: their own agent. Yeah. Is that something you agree with? I think we might end up in a situation here in the US where this is the model. Of course, uh, yeah. I mean I mean, let's face it, at the end of the day, someone pays it and yeah. it's probably the buyer right now even though it's not positioned this way. That's right, yeah. So yeah, I mean, we could be in that situation. I mean, the US and Canada are very unique in the fact that the listing agent or the the seller is pays paying the, the 6%, listing broker and, then listing it's, it's, paying yeah, them, and the it's yeah i mean that's probably the two only countries in the world in which
2: yeah. it works this way so yeah 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 there's yeah. a uh i think in today's world more than any other time with so much being coming at an agent and a consumer an organized agent is extremely important if you cannot be organized for the consumer you're actually creating chaos for the consumer yeah, yeah. And when, when we talk about the I align app, with this so much, when we talk about the app, what are we doing? We're, we're organizing yeah. the information for the consumer. So whenever I think about an agent, I say, Hey, can I get some charisma? Some, some, it doesn't have to be, a, it doesn't have to be 10 out of 10, but I'll take a three out of 10, some charisma, a high level of organization and a high level of integrity. I'm always, when I'm looking at an agent, even when agents joining real, I want to say, Hey, is there a charisma component? Is there an organization component? Is there an integrity component?
0: Charisma Agents is different from you being emotional about the process. Correct.
2: Your clients are going to be emotional. You need
0: to be a sponge for those emotions. When I see an emotional agent going crazy for an hour and 15 minutes about this happening in this deal, this happening, you know that that energy is seeping into the deal, right? Yeah. And, and that's the worst. That thing. is the entire reason why they hired us so that you can absorb that.
2: Exactly. That's the point. <laughs>
0: yeah. That it's called being a professional, right? <laughs> um, I'm really thankful to be here. I'm thankful for thank you. both of your time. Thank I know how valuable it is and, and with everything going on with the conference and everything going on in your world. Um, I couldn't thank you guys enough for for the time and the opportunity to speak to both of you guys. And I'm looking forward to that real debate on the BAM stage. Cause I know, Tim Macy, this is for you. Uh I know both of these guys have signed off on this debate. Tamir, do we have i already have his uh approval for a BAM, another company debate to say, hey, here's Everything going on. Well, well he, here's the interesting. Do part. Do we have to mirror sign off? Well, he, whatever, whatever he agrees wants, to, I agree he to. He already me. agreed. Yeah. yeah. So. Here's here's.
2: But here, um, here's the interesting part. One of the reasons why we want to do something like that is to provide a neutral platform for people to underget discovery of model.
0: And this is I'm big advocate. Yeah. Yes, right. Discovery all, of the model.
2: And all I'm saying. So, for example, <clears> um, we decided earlier this year that we would do something called what we call discover real essentially I get a thousand plus people on a zoom and I just break down real. And I say, yeah. Hey, it's 100% anonymous. I don't see any of your names. You don't see any of mine. No one can see your stuff. We're just going to tell you about real. Every time I do that, I get a thousand plus people on the call Yeah, and it maxes out zoom. And I, and I think that I don't know why more firms don't say, here's everything. Let me just show you. They're going to find out anyway. You might as well yeah. tell them in a thoughtful way. And what I've noticed from that is people go to that call they get what we what we call real 101. And then they call Tim or Katie or Eric after yeah. that, saying, Sharon said this, can you explain more to that? And if we can just provide a platform for more model discovery, I think we win. Because then it's like um it's like Harry Potter. You walk in and that and the sorting hat says, Mmm, Gryffindor, like mmm, real. Like just you, you gotta you gotta allow for some model discovery. And I don't think, I think uh, as, as Tamir said, there's been one or two firms that have done certain things that has put a stigma on the entire model of everybody. And I think that's harsh. And that's why anything that we can do to get model discovery, I think is really positive.
0: Yeah. Definitely make sure you subscribe to BAM because we're going to do a full conversation on that. I definitely want, I mean, we've, we've mentioned Tim's name too many times and I haven't mentioned maybe my favorite name at real, which is Jeremy Knight. He'll be involved in the debate because he brings a little bit of spice. I can't believe he's at formula one. Can you believe that Tamir? Have you just, have you just like, that's his choice. Have you canceled him out of the brokerage? He'll he'll
1: pay for it. (laughs) Hear
0: that Jeremy. You're going to pay for it. No, thank you guys so much for your time. And, uh, thank you. I hope I get invited back. And after tomorrow, I hope I get invited back into the living room. You got it, man. Thank you. Thanks guys. Gentlemen, real quick,
2: two points. (laughs) love well, to expand on from a tactical standpoint that I think the audience would find valuable. Sean, you've spoken a lot about operationalizing charisma and how an agent could do that. Can you just kind of build on that point you were making? and What are some tactical sets agents can use in their day to day to bring that to the forefront? Yeah, sure. So, um, agents spend most of their time thinking about the business. They, they got contracts, they got how things work, they got people, and they have this uh, intricate web of how a transaction works in their heads. And when they talk to a client, they think they can just transfer this web to the client. And that's very, very hard to do. You're transferring 15 years of experience into a client's head like that. That's super, super complex. And so what we need to do to operationalize that is say, okay, how do I think about the buyer? And I think it's our job to come up with a framework to say, hey, there's five parts in how you think about a buyer. And now we can transfer that five-part framework to the client. I think agents need to do a better job of putting containers around their thinking so that it's easy to transfer that knowledge to other people. And the difference between a, an agent that just has charisma and, and the person that has charisma and can organize it is the ability to transfer that with energy, but also transfer that sim, simply you know, simply and thoughtfully. So the more, the more agents can take... Put containers around their thinking. I think it's way easier and, to deliver to. Or
0: I always say to agents organized does not mean going and buying an agenda and getting four different colors. highlighter colors. Yeah. That's not organized. <laughs> yeah. Like how
2: you what you're yeah, talking about. To my wife.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bring that to the client experience.
2: Well, it's, it's something as simple as hey, Mr. And Mrs. Client, we have a four phase process on how we actually take you through a listing. Yeah. Here's what happens in phase number one. Now, me as a client, I feel way safer in the process. That's right. That's right. And me, but, and Ger- but, me and uh, Jimmy
1: Mack we were just talking about this the other day. But charisma is what makes them listen to you.
2: hundred yeah. percent. If you're, yeah you, yeah. yeah, you can have something beautifully organized, but if, if you don't have any charisma, it's super boring and there's yeah. no energy transfer whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Last one. I know you guys are on a tight time schedule here. A big topic that you guys are covering is candor with clients, especially with the upcoming market and it being a little bit rougher. You talked about your controlling expenses. You said the mystery box versus the math box. What is the tactical thing that an agent can do in their day-to-day, looking at where they are now, going into the next six months, to really implement that? Whether it's the controlling expenses or the mystery of the math, what is, what is your tangible thing that agents can be doing on that front? I'll start. Um, and you'll finish. No, no. <laughs> no I, I, think, I think the one thing that us as agents need to get away from is this idea of just promising. Hey, Mr. And Mrs. Klein, when you work with me, I promise that I will do blank. And I call this, it's, everything is about promise. Instead, I call it proof over promise. Hey, tell them, Mr. And Mrs. Klein, when we work together, this is what I do, let me show you. And the more we can show what we do, the more it's grounded in proof, as opposed to the promise of the future. So anything that you can say, hey, can I show them proof? Can I show them evidence of what I'm actually talking about? That brings a deep amount of safety in any conversation. So I would just say proof over promise. Beautiful.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't know, conscious enough or humble enough to say that Sharon is the wizard when it comes to that. He is the
2: wizard. So, (laughs) I have
1: nothing to add.